The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new edition of The Chris Sheeran Show on YesNetwork.com. And also, as you all know, as you all have heard before, you can subscribe to this on iTunes for free 99. It's Chris Sheeran, yes, on Twitter, and Lou DiPietro, yes, on Twitter, my partner in crime. And joining us... This week, I'm very excited to have him back in the fray. He joined me on batting practice today uh, in the uh, early years of Yankees BPTV. He's the publisher and managing editor of Pinstripes Plus magazine, and that would be Patrick Teal and PinstripePlus.com, by the way. Patrick, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Now, you are the guru of the Yankees farm system. But before I get into the farm system, I want to ask you just a generic question about the Yankees season. Now, the way they're set up right now, and we, and you know, obviously, that there are some players that could help this season, and we'll get to those guys in a second. But my question to you is, Joe Girardi has had to deal with so many injuries the past two years. No playoffs, obviously. The past two postseasons have been dark. Uh, in the Bronx, which is weird for Yankee fans who were born in 1990 because from the time they could remember uh, when they were six in 1996, the dynasty was born and away the Yankees went with all those consecutive years in the playoffs and the five World Series titles. So my question to you, Patrick, long-winded, I know, but if they could relatively stay healthy this year, do you think as they're constituted right now and the the biggest question of health being Masahiro Tanaka being that shut down number one starter. If he stays healthy, do you think the Yankees can get not contend for a World Series? You could say that if you want, but do they get back in the playoffs if their rotation stays in check? Well, that, that's the big key, yes. I, I really firmly believe if the rotation stays in check, if they're all healthy, uh, it's not just about Tanaka. It's about even Nova coming back and contributing. It's about CeCe returning and being something of some use to, to the big league rotation. If the rotation can stay healthy, I firmly believe they, they can be a playoff contender, absolutely. And Patrick, you know, moving forward, you know, being a playoff contender, there are a couple of guys, and a couple of them, we, we actually saw one of them at the major league level last year, and that was Brian Mitchell. And the other one that's been, you know, uh, having a meteoric rise throughout the uh, farm system is Rob Refsnyder. And, you know, before Stephen Drew was back in here with the Yankees on that one-year deal, people were thinking maybe Refsnyder was going to break camp as the starting second baseman. Let's start with Mitchell first. I think he's a little bit you know he got the taste last year he got the taste of the show three outings he had that one spot start you know he's he's always had a big upside on paper but the results really haven't shown so far his spot start was okay but how do you see Mitchell he's on the 40-man roster uh how do you see him helping and where do you see him fitting in bullpen or in the rotation well I think he can do either Uh, I think he can fill in either role I like him better as a starting pitcher. Um, yes, the results, if you look at his minor league track history, the, re- the numbers haven't been great, but the stuff is tremendous. Uh, let's also you know, c- kind of pump the brakes a little bit. Shane Green was a guy coming up from, through the minor leagues, A ball, didn't really have any good numbers. I mean, he wasn't on anybody's radar, really, just because the numbers weren't very good. Well, as he got higher, as the defenses behind him got better, Shane Green became better, and I think Mitchell could be this year Shane Green. I really believe that. I think he's a guy that could come in and, I mean, 
you mentioned if the rotation stay health, stays healthy. You know, the rotation might not stay healthy. I mean, Mitchell's a guy that they could probably lean on a little bit now that Green is, is gone and be kind of this year Shane Green. I mean, he's got the stuff. I mean, he's got a guy. He's got a fastball that's you know, 94 to 98. I mean, he's got a brand-new cutter that, that – He's developed in the last year and a half or so. That's, that's helped him get a few more swings and misses. He's got a, a knockout curveball. The changeup is just kind of average right now. But he's a guy that could give you some length uh, as, a, as, a, as a spot starter and as a guy that you can even slide in the rotation should somebody go down with an extended injury. You literally took the words right out of my mouth there, Patrick. My follow-up question to that was going to be, can he be this year's Shane Green, especially knowing that Adam Warren and Esmol Rogers are coming to camp as starters, you know, maybe Mitchell fills in camp that role where he pitches an inning or two every now and again, like Green did, sticks around till the end, and maybe doesn't start in AAA the way Green didn't. Kind of went to extended spring, came up in April. So, so I'll move on to to a secondary kind of thought process. One of the the non roster invites that's drawing a lot of attention, and, and rightly so, is Luis Severino, who has gone from you know virtual unknown to a top twenty prospect, top twenty five prospect in baseball dominated at multiple levels all the way up to Trenton last year. As much as Brian Mitchell could maybe be this year's Shane Green, a guy who came through the system, slow rise, now getting his chance, is there a chance, you know, if the rotation doesn't stay healthy, especially Severino pitches just way too well to the point where the Yankees say, we might as well give this kid a shot and see what he's got on a on a low-pressure situation? Well, with a guy with an arm like his, you never say never. I, I mean, absolutely, he's got a shot. I mean, a lot of things would have to go wrong for the Yankees. <laughs> For him to get that shot, but I, I think there's a, I think there's a chance he could do that this year. Absolutely, I mean, it all depends on how quickly that slider becomes a, kiss, uh, a consistent weapon for him. He's got the big time fastball, he's got the big time changeup, and he throws strikes. The big thing that you, you know, if you if he comes out in April and early May, and he and he's got that wicked slider that he has shown at times, and it's a consistent weapon for him. Yeah, he he might be too much to keep down in the minor leagues, especially if there's a real big need at the big league level. Talking to the publisher and managing editor of Pinstripes Plus Magazine and PinstripesPlus.com, Patrick Teal. Uh, once again, we thank you for joining us there, Patrick. I'll keep it with the, uh, the arms, I guess. We'll get back to Ref Snyder in a second. We heard a lot about him last year, obviously, and over the course of the offseason until, of course, Stephen Drew was picked back up. But I want to talk about another guy, Jacob Lindgren. Uh, he was the elite college closer at Mississippi State, jumped all the way from the draft to the big leagues by the end of 2014. They thought that could happen. It didn't. He made it all the way to A Trenton. He had a combined 2-1-6 ERA and 25 pro innings. He'll turn 22 in March. He has that fastball-slider combination. Do you think... And, you know, this is coming off the heels of the Yankees really having... If you look at their bullpen last year, they had one lefty. They had Matt Thornton. You know, you could throw somebody else yeah. in there if you want. But the then, only, and then the, the scraps, so right, to speak, the of what only noticeable after. lefty was Matt Thornton. He didn't even finish the season with the Yankees. He went down to D.C. Now it appears, Patrick, that they could have, and I'm not saying Lindgren's going to make the jump this season, but it appears that the Yankees and Joe Girardi have a little bit more as far as left-handed pitchers to toy with. And, you know, they picked up Shree from the Braves in the Banuelos trade. They have Justin Wilson now for the Pirates. They spun him for Cervelli. They they picked up Andrew Miller in free agency. So with Lindgren also in the mix there, not saying that he'll make the majors, but the Yankees have more options there with the, with the lefties in the bullpen now. Absolutely. I mean, Lindgren's in that mix. A guy that we haven't even talked about yet is Tyler Webb. I mean, he's another guy that, 
He had a meteoric, meteoric rise through the minor leagues last year as a left-handed pitcher. Doesn't have the stuff that Lindgren has. Lindgren's certainly higher on the depth chart, but he, even, even Webb's a guy that gives him some options. I mean, I think you just mentioned the guys. I mean, with Wilson in the, in the fray now and Shreve and obviously Miller, I mean, Lindgren was a guy heading into the offseason that you could have banked was going to be on the big league team just because mm-hmm. he's that electric. He's got three pitches. You mentioned the slider and the fastball. He's got a really good changeup, too. Wow. This is a guy that's got three pitches, and they all move. That's his big, I mean, it's his biggest strength. It's also his biggest weakness because sometimes he can't always control the pitches where they're going. I don't mean wild, but wildly effective. I mean, he can miss the zone for a few pitches at a time. But he's got an electric arm. He's a guy that, you know, right now you have to bank him more on for 2016 than you are 2015 just because they have a lot of depth now, as you mentioned, of the left-handed relievers at the big league level. Between between Miller and, and Wilson just alone, that's two right there, which is one more than they had at any point last year before September. With Lindgren and, and Webb, and we didn't even also mention James Pazos, who has been right. you know coming through the system quickly, went to the Arizona Fall League and pitched well a couple uh, a couple falls ago. With the way the Yankees bullpen is situated now, where Andrew Miller is really the only one who's actually, I guess technically under contract, the way you look at it, all these guys are arbitration eligible with the Warrens and the Batanceses, or pre-arbitration eligible in his case. Is that good or bad for these guys like Webb and Pazos now? There's, there's a lot of guys in the system. There's five more lefties in the system than there were a year ago that are, that are kind of on the radar. But now they really – do they realistically have a chance where any of them, how well they pitch, because they're so interchangeable almost, they could be the guy at any given point in time? Well, I, I think it's both – you know, I'm, I'm definitely – it's a big positive and a big negative. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more competition. I like the competition, to be honest with you. You know, a guy falls – you know – Stumbles a little bit. Hey, there's a guy right behind you, willing to take your job if you're not willing to. Co- you know, if you're not able to come in and get the job done. At the same time, they, it offers the Yankees a few more tradable assets. I mean, if these guys, let's say, let's just say hypothetically, they go with Miller and Wilson and uh, and uh, Shreve as the left-handed guys out of the bullpen. I mean, that's three lefties right there that they could, you know, they could do real well. Well, what if the guys behind them are doing real well? All of a sudden, I mean, we all know left-handed relieving is kind of a hot commodity, especially around the trade deadline. I mean, you could trade any of the guys at the big league level and still have guys ready to step up behind them and vice versa. You could trade some of the guys behind them as well. So I think it's a great problem to have. And, Patrick, let's go back to Ref Snyder now. I know he was a college outfielder, but he went to second base. He had a lot of success, double-A uh, Trenton, triple-A Scranton last year. It was on the radar. We were waiting for that big call-up. It didn't happen, uh, didn't get the taste of the, of the major league level. Do you think, now, because they brought Steven Drew back and because, you know, I hate to say it, but the Yankees outfield is a, is a bit brittle. You have Carlos Beltran in right, and, you know, he – couldn't stay healthy last year. And um, Jacoby Ellsbury has had issues with injuries all throughout his career. And Brett Gardner's been banged up the past couple seasons as well. Would they have any trepidation just to get Ref Snyder up to the bigs and get some at bats if they needed an outfield help? I know you have Garrett Jones on the team now as well, but do you think there would be any uh, pushback to maybe bring Ref Snyder up and throw him in the outfield? I know personally, I wouldn't want to see that. Okay. Uh, I, I I wouldn't want to yo-yo the guy back and forth. He's made a lot of progress defensively at second base. I think his defensive shortcomings at second base in the national media and even in the New York media are overblown. I think he's become a very good second baseman. I would not want to derail that progress by throwing him in the outfield. And I'm pretty sure that the Yankee development staff feels the same way. Now, whether or not Brian Cashman and Joe Girardi 
feel comfortable enough to kind of throw him out. I, I can't speak intelligently to that decision, but I know internally I think the Yankees would opt not to do that. They have other options. They have guys like Tyler Austin, who, who's going to be in AAA this year. I mean, they have a guy like Slade Heathcott, if he stays out there. I realize a huge question mark. But they, they have some outfield options and some outfield depth. Aaron Judge, who I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a minute, is another guy that, you know, it's it's not beyond the realm of possibility that you know if everything were to to uh, blow up the Yankees' face a little bit, that Judge could find his way up to the big leagues this year. So no, I wouldn't want to push that push that ref sign to the outfield agenda. Going back to to something you mentioned about his second base um, abilities, there one thing I, I remember talking to Ref Snyder multiple times last year because it seemed every time we moved up a level for minor league monthly and went out to to talk to people, he was at another level, <laughs> and he said you know flat out he's like. Working with Luis Soha last year, he's like, you know, they'll come up to me like, Raph, you suck at this. Let's work at it. And he's the kind of kid that was just like, okay, like this is what I need to do to get better and better, which is a good attitude to have. So I agree with you on that, that the outfield, you know, he can play it, but that might seem to be more of something like Carlos Beltran playing first base in a pinch last year in one game, you know? And this right. is not something that's been discussed. It was just, just a, a, thought, a right? question from my, no. the deep recesses of my stupidity. And I, yeah. I, I agree with Patrick's response, I think, too, on that. <laughs> but speaking of the outfield, you mentioned Tyler Austin. You know, obviously Aaron Judge is getting a lot. Slade Heathcott will be coming to camp as an NRI. Jake Cave is coming to camp as an NRI. Flores is on the 40-man. Um, Tyler Austin's on the 40-man. There's a lot of depth, and yeah. there's guys, Taylor Dugas, we haven't even talked about. Adonis Garcia will still be kicking around. Um, ben Gamble's going to be somewhere kicking around. There's a lot of that young depth. With Aaron Judge, that said, he's probably a lock to start the year in Trenton, I would imagine, after yeah. last year at Tampa. Is there that, that maybe rush? Like, if he's playing that well, you know, if there's a spot for him, you have to find it for him. But if something happens, there's so many guys ahead of him are, are there guys that are maybe locked in that, like, if something goes wrong with Jacoby Ellsbury, Flores is our guy because he's a left-handed hitting, kind of speedier, not so much power, can play a little bit of center, but mostly left fielder type. Is Tyler Austin locked in that the only way he's coming up is if something happens to Beltran? Are these guys almost such as such typecast in a way that this is where this is our second in command and you're coming up in that case, but it's going to be tough to play your way onto the team with the three outfielders the Yankees have? Yes, for the most part. <laughs> that, that, that's the short answer. The, Austin and Judge are a little bit different in that they provide some right-handed power on a team that has a lot of left-handed bats. So I think, you know, I mean, we're talking about Tyler Austin. Let's, let's take him first. I mean, he's a guy that was dealing with a bad wrist injury for the better part of a year and a half. And those, as we all know, those wrist injuries, they're fluky. I mean, you don't know how long it's going to take. And, and he had a really, really good second half last year. Now, he's a guy that he could, you could bring him into camp. Huge makeup guy. I mean, he, he and Ref Snyder kind of remind me of the same guy. I mean, they are huge makeup. I mean, Derek Jeter like makeup type guys. I mean, he's a guy that could come into camp and just wow people. And all of a sudden, that, that, that wrist is completely healed and starts hitting some bombs. All of a sudden, he becomes not so much just an emergency backup option because he might become a, a realistic option. Especially if Beltran isn't, you know, a hundred percent, just because he can provide something the Yankees desperately need, and that's some right-handed power. Judge the same way. Now, I think Judge is going to have a, a much longer leash this year to get to the big leagues, just because he only played, you know, for his first full year last season. But he also has the huge upside. I mean, you're talking about a Giancarlo Stanton body. I mean, the guy's six foot seven. He's enormous. Looks like Jimmy Graham at the plate. It's unbelievable. Uh, so he's got that huge upside. So he can come in almost like Peter O'Brien did last year, 
go in and maybe hit 20 bombs in the first couple of months in Trenton, all of a sudden he's kind of maybe opening everybody else's eyes, saying, you know what, maybe he can contribute at the big league level now. So I don't know that those two in particular are necessarily uh, injury-only backup guys. Ramon Flores right now, because he missed a, lot, a good portion last year, he's probably an emergency, you know, uh, an injury emergency backup guy right now. With, with those two guys, obviously the right-handed power, like you said, is big. Flores, his profile fits more of the left-center fielder guys. There's two guys in particular that have been among the top prospects in the organization every year for the last umpteen years, it seems, that are now at the point where this may be it for them. And, and I assume you can already tell I'm talking about Slade Heathcott and Mason Williams. Yes. Mason getting put on the 40-man roster this year, you know, there are people who, who say his speed and defense are major league ready right now. It's the fact that he has hit 220 two consecutive years at Trenton and Tampa that, that kind of worry them. These two guys particularly this year, Slade with the injuries, Mason with the inconsistency, is this the year where it's like if they don't do something now, that's it? Yeah, I mean, especially in Heathcott's case, because he's a minor league free agent. So if if he comes back next year, you know, comes back this year and, and, and he's hurt again and he's not getting enough at bats, I mean, this is a guy that needs 500 at bats. I mean, I don't, I don't even care what numbers he puts up. He really needs 500 at bats because he hasn't done it yet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, especially with the depth. I mean, we're talking about Judge and Cave and Austin and Flores. I mean, they've got a lot of outfield, upper minor league level depth. So if Heathcock can't stay healthy, yeah, this is going to be it for him. Mason Williams, a little bit different. Yes, I, I think he probably you probably err on the side of being more on the Heathcock side of things as far as he's got a very short leash. I think his leash is a little bit longer. I think his numbers last year are a little bit uh, misleading. He wasn't nearly as bad as the numbers looked. I mean, I saw him really put some charges in the balls that were right at defenders. I'm not saying that's the way he was all the time. But he could have easily had some much better numbers last year. And I think the thing that we have to remember with, with Mason was he had shoulder surgery a year and a half prior to that. So, like we were talking with Tyler Austin, I mean, sometimes these injuries take a little bit longer to heal. And I think in the prospect game, people hear about these guys for a couple of years. We're still talking about young men here. I mean, they take a little longer to develop. And if they got an injury like Mason Williams, like Slate Heath got, you know, sometimes we almost get that uh, prospect staleness, if you will, if, while we're viewing them. The, I think both these guys can still contribute. The, sh- the leash is going to be a little bit shorter, but they still have something left in the tank, I believe. Hey, Patrick, uh, Chris again. And, you know, I want to go back to Aaron Judge. And, uh, you know, sometimes experts, quote-unquote, will throw out comparisons to certain players when they – see them for the first time sure. and the, the comparisons that I'm seeing with Aaron judge, <laughs> the guy hasn't stepped on a major league field and people are saying he's Dave Winfield. Uh, you've seen him. I mean, do you see some similarities in the yeah. two there? You do. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see I don't see how you couldn't, if you've seen him play. Okay. The thing that, the thing that stands out with judge, I mean, the first thing that stands out obviously is his size. I mean, he's a legit six, six seven. seven, right? I mean, he looks like he could be, you know, a massive tight end in the NFL, one of the best. Jimmy uh, Graham? But what's, what's crazy You did about say Judge, that, didn't what you? What I didn't expect, you know, I expected to see that. What I didn't expect to see was how short his swing really is, how great his plate discipline is. This is a guy that rarely swings out of the strike zone. So, yeah, you could throw out the G- Giancarlo Stanton uh, comps just because he's so massive, but this is a guy that's got a little bit more refined swing. I don't, I don't know that the in-game power is quite on the Stanton level. I mean, when you hear Stanton, that's the first thing you think of. You think of size and power. Mm-hmm. Judge has got raw power, but 
I don't know if the in-game power is quite as impressive as, 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 as his overall hitting. I mean, this is a guy that can hit. Um, so, yeah, I think when you, when you see that, yeah, the Winfield comps are automatic because he's got that command of the strike zone as a big, tall guy. He's definitely playing above what expectations might be for a guy that size, that young, and with that much raw power. There's another guy that's going to be with him. Again, this trend and selling point, I think, this year is just going to be like, we've got these five guys. Come see our game. And it's another guy who two years from now could be a legitimate long-term replacement for a, a veteran whose contract expiring. And that's Greg Bird at first base. Sort of a similar makeup coming through the minors in what scouts have said and what, what people have observed. Then he goes to Arizona, and he's the MVP of the Fall League. He just dominates out there in Arizona. This guy has gone from, hey, maybe he's something, to, hey, he's definitely something, to, hey, he's continued to be something. What do you see Greg Bird, is, if anything, is needing to do this year to prove even further that in 2017, when Mark Teixeira is gone, he's your first baseman and could be for a long time? Yeah, I don't think he needs to prove anything. You know what I think? I think the national media needs to get on this guy because I've said it for a couple of years now. How this guy continues to go underrated with the national media, the, you know, the Keith Laws, the Baseball America. I don't know. I don't understand how this guy just is so underrated because he is really, really good. I was actually going to be surprised if he didn't win the Arizona Arizona Fall League MVP. He's that good. I mean, he he commands the strike zone. He's a hit first guy. He's got power. He's not, he's not a flashy defender, and I think that's kind of what people are looking for to kind of make him that household prospect name. But he's a, he's a pretty good defender. He's not, he's not going to be Tishere at first defensively. But you know what? He could be a better hitter. He could be a much better hitter. I mean, I've seen him, be, I've seen him you know, take an 86-mile-hour slider inside and then turn around a 97-mile-an-hour fastball outside. And it's like, I mean, who can do that? I mean, the things he can do at the plate is pretty special. Um, I, I, I absolutely believe, I firmly believe he's going to be Teixeira's long-term replacement. I think he's going to be one of these cornerstone guys. I think he and Judge are two guys you can absolutely build your lineup around. Now, there were three players, Patrick, that we discussed that um, you thought could make an impact in 2015. One was Ref Snyder. The other, obviously, was Mitchell, who got a taste, as we mentioned earlier, last year. Uh, the last one, a, a right-handed pitcher, Nick Rumbelow, uh, went from low A... Um, Charleston to Scranton, Wilkes-Barre last year. He posted a 264 ERA, 44 combined appearances, averaging nearly 13 strikeouts per nine, uh, being talked about as a good candidate to open eyes as a breakout prospect this spring. What do you see? What does he bring to the table? What does he feature? What's the lowdown on Rumbelow? Rumbelow for me is Robertson part two. I mean, he is, he is a, he's David Robertson is what he is. I mean, he throws... Uh, you know, sneaky, quick fastball like Robertson. He throws a little harder than Robertson. I mean, Rumble is a guy that'll average ninety-three to ninety-five. He'll pop some ninety-sevens, and it comes in a lot quicker than that. Late move? Is it late? You see the the batters generating late moving. From it. Late and then moving. He's got a really, you know, really good curveball. Um, he'll throw. He'll throw the occasional changeup just to let people know he's got one. But those are his two main pitches. He just comes right after, you, and he's like Robertson. He comes right after you. Uh, he doesn't mess around. Robertson was a little bit more. You know, his walks more. More byproduct of you know mechanics than it was more of an approach. Rumbelow's got the approach and he's got the mechanics and he goes right after you. And 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 it's like here it is. If he can hit it, great. If he can't, which you probably can't, you know, go sit down. And that's what he's got. And he's a guy that like Robertson. You know, I would expect to. You know, with the Yankees' depth in the bullpen, they don't need a, a Rumbelow to come in and be a setup man or a closer. He can slide in like Robertson did before. 
be this middle reliever that kind of dominates for an inning or two, and then over the years kind of slide his way back further into the bullpen. But he gives you the Yankees yet another bullpen option. I mean, the Yankees are absolutely loaded with, with bullpen options at the big league level and guys that could contribute at the big league level. You, you made and the, Robles at the top of the list. You made the comparison to Robertson there. I just um, You were so into it, I don't think you heard me what I was trying to mention. Like, Robertson's fastball, it was that late-moving, yep. like, giddy-up. Is that the same exact thing you're talking about with Robles? That's the same exact thing, but like I said, his is a little bit harder, so it's a little bit more difficult, in my opinion, to hit. Um, yeah, he's got that little bit late giddy up on his fastball, but it's a little bit harder initially too. One one thing to, to note about all these guys too: we mentioned Rumbelow, we mentioned Webb, Lindgren. Obviously, these guys were all college draftees, college relievers. Mark Montgomery was the same way when he had a lot of a shine on his prospect star a couple years ago. That seems to have been the Yankees' mo of late: is they're drafting a lot of these, um, you know, college reliever types to. Uh, you know, they're drafting these college reliever types to kind of come in and they move quickly through the system. Again, last year, I think was it eight of their first ten picks were pitchers and seven of them were um seven of them were college relievers. Right. A couple of them have been converted to starters in the low minors. Is that an MO we maybe could see continue this year with the Yankees that they're gonna lean heavy on pitchers coming out of college who can move quickly through the system and build that depth? Yeah, I mean I think it's a I think it's I think it's actually a brilliant drafting plan for them. Because what you can't where the Yankees should normally draft, it, you're not going to find too many bats. I mean, impact bats. So what you can find a little bit later in the draft are these impact arms, and usually they're bullpen arms. And so that's what they've been doing. They've been trying to get a lot of these high-end, you know, maybe the high school, high-projectable bats earlier in the draft. And then in the rounds like 4 through 10, they've been going with a lot of these college reliever types. And I think it's a brilliant move because a lot of these guys are bringing in, the, you know, they've all got power arms, and they've all got at least one, you know, above average or better secondary pitch. And, yeah, and these guys can move a little quick. Now, what I also like is they're starting to experiment a little bit more. Like they have this, like you mentioned this past year, they've drafted a lot of these college guys, but they've moved a couple of them in the starting rotation. There's some upside with some of these guys because you can't have just a million guys at AAA getting ready to pitch in the bullpen. They're going to have to start going with a few more of these guys as starting pitchers because that's actually where it used to be their depth a few years ago, starting pitching prospect depth. That That's become a little bit more on the waning side. I mean, that's where they need to – focus more of their attention going forward is building up their starting pitching prospect depth because that's that that's where the thin is right now patrick in my office i have a collector's item and i want to send it back to you and have you autograph it for for you to send it back to me and that is the copy of pinstripes plus magazine that has the killer bees on the on the cover (laughs) uh and only one bee is left in the hive uh in delon batances i mean that should show everyone how just how volatile that you know, this whole system is with baseball and how a guy could get on the radar. And I'm not saying this is going to happen with a guy like Ref Snyder or a guy like Bird. You guys just wax poetic about Bird. You each saw them. And, you know, I'm going to take the account of the people who saw this guy firsthand and say he's the real deal. And, you know, he could be making a difference very soon for this Yankee ball club. But, just give fans just break down how volatile this is. I mean, we can be talking about someone on a high level right now, but that could change. I mean, it could it turn on a dime. Change. The thing that fans have to keep in mind is health is the number one thing. It's the number one thing in anybody's life. It's the number one thing in a baseball player's, you know, in a baseball prospect's life. If you if you're not healthy, if you're not healthy enough to stay on the field, 
your your prospect status, your your place in the game can change in an instant, and it has. Brackman was the same way. Brackman, all of a sudden, he couldn't stay healthy. You know, Manny Benuelos, Tommy John surgery. I mean, I, I wouldn't close the book on Manny Benuelos, by the way. I, I know mean, you loved him, yeah. I, I still love him. Uh, you know, and Betances was a guy that had Tommy John surgery. He took a little longer than than fans wanted to see. So I think a lot of fans and even the media sometimes they, they hear about these guys. And they are. They're a few years away. I'll give you a great example. Jorge Mateo right now. He's a 19-year-old Dominican kid who could wind up being the best prospect of them all. But he's not even in low A ball yet. But we won't get him, we're going to be hearing about this guy. I mean, he's already considered a top 100 prospect amongst some of the pundits. But he's a guy that's going to take a few years to develop. But guess what? If he can't stay healthy on the field, you know, can't stay healthy enough to stay on the field long enough to develop his game, you know what? He's not going to be much down the road. So, yeah, I mean, health is number one. And then the other part is that sometimes pitching is a little bit dicier than it is in projecting bats. You know, I'd, be, I'd feel a lot more confident about a guy like Bird and Judge developing than I would a Brackman or a Benuelos just because, you know, pitching, you're always one, you're always one pitch away from your career being over. Uh, and it's not always the same way with, with bats. I think maybe one of the guys you spoke of, both injury history and both you know makeup and things like that. One of the guys that's been an enigma who Yankee fans have been hearing about forever and ever and ever and ever and ever is, of course, Gary Sanchez, who, I mean, AAA looks to be his destination this year to begin the year. He had a pretty good season at, at uh, Trenton last year. He had a decent half season at Trenton when he came up in 2013. With Brian McCann, though, under, under contract for four more years, Sanchez is close to ready or so it seems on the outside – what is Gary Sanchez's MO this year? I mean, what is what is what is the team, what is the organization, what are we looking for out of him, whether it's triple A, double A, if he gets a shot at the majors at any point? I mean, you mentioned it with McCann in the in the mix for, for the foreseeable future. They've got Austin Romine, they've got J.R. Murphy, they've got plenty of backup guys as it is. I mean if you want me to be frank, I mean what you're looking for is Sanchez to have, you know, just a just tear it up for half a season and then become a hot trade commodity because right now that's what he is. Um, you know, he's not a long-term solution as long as Brian McCann's around right now. They have other options for backups. I mean, I think that's what you're looking for. Sanchez is just kind of be that guy that maybe can help bring in a player that can help in other areas. That said, Domingo Herman, you know, is on our list of, of hot prospects. He's on the 40 man. He's a guy that came in with, with the uh, Nathan Ovaldi trade. You mentioned Jorge Mateo earlier. Just give Yankees fans and give us a couple of guys, two or three guys in the system this year. Who are guys that you might want to look for in the lower minors, maybe lesser, you know, lesser touted prospects, but guys that really could make an impact at some point going forward and can make a name for themselves with a good season in 2015? You mean outside Jorge Mateo? Absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> Jorge Mateo is going to be the, the talk of the town a yep. year from now, I guarantee it. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you what, the Yankees as we all know, really didn't have many upper-level shortstop prospects. You know, no real internal replacement for Derek Jeter. I'll tell you what, they've got a lot of depth of shortstops at the lower levels. Jorge Mateo obviously being the headliner, but they've got another guy, Thyro Estrada. This is a guy that could wind up being Ref Snyder-like, um, maybe with a bit more power, a bit more speed, maybe a bit more tools just overall. I really like this kid. He's Venezuelan. Um, I think a year from now, he's going to be considered one of the better prospects. Angel Aguilar is another shortstop prospect. He's a guy that could maybe slide over to third because he's got some power. Um, so th- those are two guys that I, w- I, would, I would definitely keep in the mix. Dustin Fowler is a guy they drafted out of high school two years ago that had a pretty solid 
half season in Charleston last year. He's another young guy with some power who can play a little bit of center, more of a corner guy, but he's got some power, good plate discipline. I mean, it, a lot of their guys right now are tied up in bats. But, you know, a big one that we really haven't even talked about is Ian Clarkin. Uh, last year's first-round pick out of high school, he had a really good year uh, last season in, in the minor leagues. And I, I expect him to have a really good year this year. I think he, along with Luis Severino, are going to be the top two pitching prospects this time next year. And Clarkin could be a guy that's knocking on the big league door as soon as some point late 2016. Patrick, it's been too long, brother. Uh, yeah. One more thing before you go. I just want people to know where they could find you because you are – when I was growing up, my parents went out and they got me – see, back in the day, kids, we didn't have the intertubes. <laughs> the interwebs. What you like to call the interweb or the internet. We had what was called encyclopedias <laughs> that needed to be updated every year. Patrick Teal is just that. Pinstripes Plus Magazine is just that. If you're a Yankee fan and you're worried and you just listen to somebody say the Yankee farm system is, is trashed, there's nothing down there, think again. So where are you on Twitter if you are? And how can people get the magazine? And how could they – obviously, they could find you online at pinstripesplus.com. Yeah, that's but the please, best place to find us. Find us. We can find our Twitter handle there. You can find our Facebook page there. All that stuff's there. The magazine's there. The, 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 the content's there. So pinstripesplus.com is the absolute best place to find us. All right. There and, you go. And I was going to say, hopefully this year with Minor League Monthly coming back, we, uh, hopefully we can look forward to you uh, coming on with us maybe once or twice during the Absolutely. season. Absolutely. Just <laughs> let me know when. Patrick, you're the best. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for coming on, and I'll be in touch soon. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, take care, Patrick. Bye. That's Patrick Teal, the managing editor and publisher of Pinstripes Plus Magazine and PinstripesPlus.com. My God. I mean, <laughs> he used to join us on BP, and he knew more than anyone <laughs> about everything in the Yankees minor leagues. And, and that, that's going back before 2009. It's 2015. This guy, he seriously is, like I call Troy Benjamin, one of our producers down, he's a walking encyclopedia of basketball, everything. You're a walking encyclopedia of baseball knowledge. This guy is the encyclopedia of the Yankees farm system. To use, to use a bit of a, a sports analogy, he's the... You know he's our Mel Kiper Junior. In that my regard. goodness, he, this is this is his this Think is about this it. is his domain. And I, I got to say this. I mean, obviously, I didn't yeah you know, I didn't mention it while we were talking to him, but you know, I, I do a lot of stuff with the minor league system because I am a Yankees fan, and I know a lot of Yankees fans want to hear about these guys, not just the Mason Williamses and the Greg Birds and the Judges, but the Thyro Estradas and the Jorge Mateos and these guys coming up through the system. Um, you know, I'm. I'm a little surprised, but not surprised he didn't mention you know a couple more shortstop prospects because they have a ton of them down in the low minors. Mm-hmm. Tyler Wade, who had a pretty good season at Charleston last year, is a lefty hitter with gap to gap power. Another one. That's besides the point. A lot of I do a lot of my homework with these guys when I talk to them and go down to Trenton or Scranton or you know when Charleston comes to town. When we're in Tampa, I do a lot of my homework to to really get into more about these guys than just what I see and, and, and watch video of them and stuff. And I got to tell you, ninety percent of where I do that homework, pinstripes plus, because if there's something I need to know, I know Patrick has it in spades. I mean, it's far more than I could ever hope to be knowing so, about the system. Yankees fans, right now listening to this podcast, you need to get on pinstripesplus.com. It's pinstripes plus plural p l u s. Dot com, and you could follow him on Twitter. You could go on his Facebook page and like it. 
If there's anything you need to know about the Yankees farm system, Patrick Teal and Pinstripes Plus is the place yeah. you got to go. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. I mean, it's we can't put them and, over enough. And I, mean, I, 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 I don't know if we need any more evidence than what we just went through. <laughs> than the right last 30 there. minutes yeah, of our exactly. life. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, th- this is, as we tape this, we sit here, the NBA trade deadline's in a couple hours, and we could talk about. Yeah, I'm still all, waiting for Brooke yeah, Lopez. We could talk about trade. all of that. You know, Brooke Lopez could be traded while we're on the mic. We could talk about the Nets going out to Los Angeles to start their final 30 games in the second half. And realistically, all that will be out of date within, you know, the hour it takes me to produce this and put it up on the web, (laughs) which is why this week has been a look at the minor league system. And with spring training Mm -hmm. starting on Friday, kind of our little preview of the the baseball season, this is a very good time for the Yankees farm system. I mean, we mentioned a dozen or more guys by name who are all not only, you know, future stars in waiting, perhaps in the case of Judge Bird Severino as the top three, but guys who can have an impact now. You know, Jacob Lindgren, he moved quickly through the system, and he might have a little bit more of a leash, as Patrick said. He could have an impact. If the Yankees need a lockdown lefty, look at what Brandon Finnegan did for the Royals last year. He came up in September. He was a lefty matchup guy, made the postseason roster, pitched very well, got his feet wet, is going to be a big part of their team going forward. He went from college to the the pros in two months. In two months. And made an impact in the damn World Series. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he could be that kind of guy. We look at Ref Snyder has been on the cusp, you know, for a year now. He's the the hot name. Austin could be in that spot too. These guys like Tyler Webb and Rumbelo and even down to James Pazos, who we barely touched on. I mean, these guys are legitimate bullpen options. The ones that are on the forty man roster have a little bit of a little bit of a you know heads up, obviously, or leg up, I should say, because they're up and down, call upable. But right. if you know, let's just say if Tyler Webb is dominating at AAA and you know, Jose Ramirez is hurt again or he's not as not as effective as he could be or something happens, you know, it's a DFA and a call-up right away. And, and there's just so much competition that you got to produce. And if you do, there's a chance. Look at the Yankees' bullpen right now. Chasen Shreve is 24. Now, he only had 15 games with the Braves last year, but he was effective. Yep. He was good. Lefty. Justin Wilson's 27. Mm-hmm. Got him from the Pirates. 70 appearances for them last year. He was a workhorse for them for the he last was. three years. He was. Uh, Andrew Miller, another lefty. He'll be 30 in May. Mm-hmm. I think he's the, he's the old man. He's the elder statesman. Yeah. And think about that. For, with a straight face, think about that for a second. The oldest person in the Yankee bullpen is 29 think right about now. The, think about this even further. If and Lindgren a, turns 22 next month. If Ivan Nova comes back, let's say June 1st. Okay. Because we'll, you put him on the 60-day DL to open up a roster spot mm-hmm. and then you bring him. He comes back on June 1st. And he bumps Capuano to the bullpen, and Esmil Rogers goes away. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that hypothetically. That is the case. hypothetically, you're looking at a 12-man pitching staff where CC Sabathia is the only one of the starters who's even over 25 at that point. 26. Tanaka's right there, and you're looking at a bullpen where Capuano is your long man, swing man. Everyone else is in their 20s, and Miller just turned 30 a month ago. That's Think about how people perceive the, but think about how people perceive the Yankees that they've been this aging team for the last few years, fading glory, fading dynasty. They sign old guys to big contracts, which in some cases they, they do. They signed Carlos Beltran, Beltran to a three-year deal. Mm-hmm. He was already in his late thirties. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at four starters out of five who are in their mid mid twenties or younger. 
five out of seven guys in the bullpen who are in their mid-20s or younger with a guy at 30 who is one of the most dominant relievers in baseball. If the Yankees stay healthy, and look, this is not people here, he's a homer, blah, blah. it has nothing to do with being a homer. If the Yankees stay healthy, they're not good. They're great. They're scary good. Yeah. They are. And they have the one thing, the one thing we didn't necessarily touch on, but we, we sort of alluded to with, with Patrick that this is my personal feeling. There's three spots on the Yankees that are in flux. There's three spots on the Yankees that are short term, like you need to figure it out. And there's three spots on the Yankees where that guy's not going anywhere. That's nine. That's, that's nine. That's a whole team. That I, is. I just wanted to show you. That's, I was that's the whole attention. team. Um, obviously, you reach across and smack. No, that's great. I love. I love that you're paying attention to me. Up the middle, I think is the is the Gregorius. influx. Shortstop, second base yeah. is influx. Mm-hmm. Right field, first base, and I'm going to go with catcher because you know McCann's still got four years, but catchers, you know what I mean. Yeah. Jorge Posada and Mike Piazza are, are, and maybe McCann can be there. Are kind of once in a generation guys. You know, it's tough to produce for. That high level for that long a time, and let's not without forget moving. they had a guy in Russell Martin that they really didn't have to get rid of at right. the time they got rid of him. And then I'll give I'll give left and center field and third base your their lockdown. We know Chase Headley's there for say four years. Didn't bring him back. Didn't bring him back. Right, Headley's there for four years. Gardner's in left for four years. Ellsbury's got another six. There, that part is fine. Mm-hmm. And I'll give DH is flux because a Rod, you never know what you're going to get. So you're going short right. over is in flux. Short second. And DH. Not center, but short, second, DH. DH. First, catcher, right field. First, catcher, right field are your short-term, let's look and see what we yep. got. The Yankees have two young guys in Gregorius and Ref Snyder. They have two veterans in Drew and Ryan. And they have Perella, who's kind of a wild card. As, as thin as their depth up the middle is at the upper levels, they've got five guys right there that you can look and say, they perform okay, the young guys are going to be good. If they don't, you've got veteran fallbacks. You've got Drew. You've got Ryan. You've got Perella, who's just begging for a chance based on what he did last year. You look at right field, first base, and catcher. The Yankees have a wealth of catching depth from Murphy and Romine battling to be the backup, Sanchez and AAA. Luis Torrens had a pretty good season, you know, in low minors, Staten Island, Charleston. He was a little overmatched in Charleston, but he's like 18. He's 19. He's a kid. He's got a long way to go. You have Bird and Judge and Tyler Austin, who can play a little bit of fir- has played a little bit of first base. These guys are when you look in 2017 and say Beltran's gone, Teixeira is gone. You can see two of those three guys starting in right field and at first base in 2017 on opening day. So help me out and correct me if I'm wrong, but conventional wisdom and just reading things. How do people after the conversation we had with Patrick and after what you just said right there? How do people say with a straight face that the Yankees' farm system is in shambles? Patrick would be able to answer this question a lot better, but I'll give you kind of my semi-informed synopsis. It wasn't always this way. I mean, a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys we've talked about have been drafted in the last three years. So Sanchez has been around forever. Mason Williams has been around forever. But, you know, Cave was Jake Cave, for instance, kind of come up through the system. He was a 2011 draft pick. Austin, I think, was 2010 he was drafted, didn't play much, and then moved up. Uh, He's like the longest tenured one of that group of guys. Judge was two years ago. Lindgren was last year. Pazos was three or four years ago. Rumbelow, I believe, was 2013. I mean, Webb was 2013. These guys are relatively new. It's been building for a couple years now. Bird was originally a catcher, moved him to first base. You know, I think he was like 2011 even. It's... 
it's not like these guys are long-term homegrown guys. These guys are mostly relatively new. And there's that said, there's still a lot of places. Like I said, their upper-level middle infield depth is not great. You know, we can talk about the Thyro Estradas, the Jorge Mateos, and the Tyler Wades of the world. Those three guys are probably going to start the season at Tampa, Charleston, and Staten Island or in the GCL, depending on how aggressive they get with, with a couple of them. Up the middle further than that, Cito Culver might be the starting shortstop at Trenton. He's been around forever and hasn't mm-hmm. really proven he belongs in the system after his minor, you know, his minor league, for, once he's a minor league free agent. He hasn't really done much of anything. Ali Castillo had a great winter ball. He was the MVP of Trenton's uh, run to the Eastern League Finals. He was the MVP of the, uh, the Eastern League Finals two years ago when they won it all. But he's not exactly a sexy, hot, shiny prospect. They signed Nick Noonan and Freddie Galvez and um, Cole Figueroa to minor league deals, kind of like the Janjervis Solarte uh, types this year. These are not sexy names, but these are the guys that are going to be playing the middle infield and Ref Snyder if he goes down to Triple A. These are the guys that are going to be playing the middle infield in the top two levels. So there is play, there are places where there's a lack of depth or just not great depth. But there's a lot of places like the outfield where if you could only put four outfielders on a team, there's a guy who could legitimately be a triple-A or major league option that would be in single-A because they have ten guys for six outfield spots, maybe a DH at the top two levels, depending on how the roster construction plays out. There's guys that aren't going to get a lot of playing time at the top levels in some spots that could probably be a major league option somewhere. And what? let's go back to Bird for a second because, you know, your eyes popped out of your head almost when Patrick was talking about him. We've talked off the air about Greg Bird uh, more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, how scary good could this guy be? I'll just read what I wrote to you while Patrick was talking about him. If the Yankees – I'll sanitize it a little bit mm-hmm. because I wrote it in shorthand. You wrote it salty. If the Yankees are – scuffling in August-ish of 2016, Mark Teixeira's career might end quicker than the end of the year. Like, they could just be like, you know what, you're DHing. We're going to bring this kid up and see what he's got. He's that good, but not because, you know, you look at Judge, you look at a guy who's 6'7", he's massive, but then you see him and he can hit, and he's got raw power, he can hit at a country mile, and he's got a cannon in right field, you know, and he can run for a guy who's 6'7", 250. You look at Bird, he, he he's not... Not terribly, I mean, he's a big guy, but he's not terribly impressive. If you look at Kyle Roller, he looks like an offensive lineman. I mean, he's a big dude, mm-hmm. and he mashes. Not so great defensively at first base. His average has gone down a little bit the last couple of years, but he's a masher. And he's going to play first base at AAA, and you'll see a little bit of him in camp. Bird hits. He's got great plate discipline. He led the minor league system in walks two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, in a system where you got a lot of good good hitters, good contact hitters. He led the system in walks. He hit 14 home runs last year because he missed two months because his back was hurt. He had a back injury that he missed. I think he came back in late May and played 102 games above between two levels. And you got to figure that back maybe hampered him a little bit even when he came back, just like Tyler Austin with the wrist, just like Mark Teixeira with the wrist, just like anything. He hit. I think he hit 22 the year before that in low A. In a monster season, he he produced again in Tampa. He's produced a little bit in Trenton when he was there last year. He had the Arizona Fall League MVP. I mean, he's just that kind of guy that you can look at his tools and maybe none of them are an 80, but he's a 65 guy all the way around the board. Like, that's just he's, – he's a very – how do I put this in a way that, that, that makes sense? 
He's very good at everything, not necessarily great at anything, but very good at everything and good enough in the areas where he doesn't have to be very good to make an impact. I mean, maybe his arm stinks, but he's a first baseman, you know, that kind of thing. Sorry, were you describing me there? I was. Oh, I was but that's, that's why he's scary good. I mean, he's, he's very good at a lot of things at a premium position, and he has the, the assets and the, the development track to get better in the things that you look at for a first baseman. He can hit for power. He can hit for average. He's good defensively and can get better. All right, let, let's go back to Gary Sanchez here for a second. He, mm-hmm. he won't be 23 until December. Yep. So he's 22 years old. He hit 270 last year at Double A Trenton. Mm-hmm. He had 13 homers and 65 RBI. Yep. Now, if he starts the season at Triple A Scranton, and he tears it up, like Patrick said, this is why I want to bring this back around. CC Sabathia, Masahiro Tanaka, go down. Is this the kind of guy that you could spin to bring another top of top tier starter in in a trade? I don't know how Patrick would feel about it. I don't necessarily think he's the linchpin. I don't think it's like... But he's part. could he be part of a deal to help the yeah, Yankees? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a Jeff Bagwell for Larry Anderson type thing where it's a one-for-one one and he's the guy no, and no, no, people no, cover no, him. No, 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 there'd be other things involved, right. but... Yes, and the reason I think that way is because he also was benched, I think, multiple times, at least once, if not more than once, last year by Tony Franklin, who you and I both know, Tony is a... He's as like stickler by the book as it comes. If you don't run out of ground ball, he's going to yell at you for it. He was benched multiple times for disciplinary reasons. Just to get, just to give everybody an idea, Tony Franklin. I went down there interview Austin Rom- Romine, and he sat down in the chair opposite of me, and we were just about to start. And Franklin walked by and said, "Go shave, come on, Skip. I just want to get go shave." He had a lot of scruff, and Franklin knows. That's nope, nope. That's not the way. Clean shaven. So he sent Romine in. He shaved and he came back out. And Tony, to be fair, look, I love Tony. Tony's one of the greatest. He guys. didn't yell. He has greatest, a smile on his yeah. face. Greatest baseball minds to pick. The role the Yankees have him in this year, where he's going to be a roving instructor to start, and then he's going to Pulaski. Like he thrived in Trenton. He could do even better in that role. But anyway, mm-hmm. we love you, Tony. Um, the thing with Sanchez is maturity may be a little bit of an issue. Like you said, he is 22, but he's been. The consensus number one, number two prospect in the organization for years until this year. Mm-hmm. You know, Severino, Burton, Judge, some other guys have kind of ju- jumped over into that list. Maybe he's a victim of his own hype a little bit, but like he's, you know, maybe he's got some off the field maturity issues that are that are the problem. Now, can that be rectified? Sure. <laughs> There's a lot of guys that have that. Warren Sapp had those issues too. He's one of the greatest, you know, defensive linemen in NFL history. But is he the guy that can bring – if he's raking, can he bring you something in return? Absolutely, because like Patrick said, catching depth is is never never an issue. <laughs> too much catching yeah. is never an issue. No, neither so, is too much pitching. And the Yankees seem yep. to have – I don't want to say sure things, but they do have options. Yep. Whereas in years past, it was, you know, if something goes wrong, we're in trouble. Yep. And I'll, I'll give you another couple of names of guys that I sort of mentioned when we were talking about the fact that there's, you know, seemingly 15 outfielders in the top two or three levels who can make an impact. You look at a guy like Taylor Dugas. Looks like Tom Cruise, size-wise and face-wise. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's, he's diminutive. He's a smaller guy, you know, maybe 5'7", 160. He's not, a, not an imposing physical specimen in the least, even if he was a middleweight boxer. Dude hits. All he's done is hit 300 at every level. He's got a little bit of power. You know, not, not going to hit you 20 home runs, but nobody thought Brett Gardner was going to hit so many home runs last year. 
He can hit gap to gap, so he'll hit you some doubles. He's got enough speed that he can leg stuff out. Pretty good out in the outfield, can play all three positions, good arm. If you're looking at a team like Minnesota, who finished finished last the last couple of years, and they're scuffling along and they're finishing last, and they've got a guy who's coming up, you know, when they traded Morneau to the Rockies a couple of years ago or whatever, you got a guy that's coming up towards the end of his deal, a mid-level player, but can definitely help, you know, kind of like Josh Willingham when they traded him to the Royals. If they're looking for a guy who's been maybe stuck in the minors, but is a young guy, kind of could come up and be something, you know, Dugas Ceiling may be fourth outfielder. But if you're looking for a guy like that as part of a trade that's like, we need this guy, we can plug him in now, we'll see what he's got. The Yankees have five of those guys, not just Taylor Dugas. They've got Ramon Flores. They've got Adonis Garcia down there who's going to be 30 this year. He's a Cuban import, so he's a little older, you know, maybe a little less prospect shine. He's not Yoan Moncada or Yasiel Puig. The Yankees have a ton of these guys that are like, they can deal from a, a place of surplus if they need to go out and get a high, high rotation starter. If the middle infield experiment fails miserably and they need to go out and get a guy, I'm just going to throw out names because I don't know who might be available in the middle infield, but if they need to go out and get a guy like a Howie Kendrick, like that kind of like steady 300 hitter second baseman, they've got a ton of these guys that they can deal from depth and give other teams two or three major league ready guys between the bullpen, the outfield, and maybe even a little bit of their catching depth. I mean, that's, that's where the organization stands. Now, if you're not smarter out there as a Yankee fan, after listening to this podcast. And you can listen to it more than once. You, you read books more than once. You and you can listen to it in September and see how right or wrong any of us right. are. Right. But I mean, that's see, the great part of it. this is why we do this. We put ourselves on the line and we make these comments because it's our job. It's what we, yeah. it's what we get paid to do. And uh, Lou did a tremendous job. And Patrick Teal, the managing editor and publisher of Pinstripes Plus Magazine and PinstripesPlus.com, did an amazing job today with us. Uh, we're going to have him on. Throughout the season, oh, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm sure he'll be uh, requested <laughs> for us to have on at certain points as well. So And look for uh, Lou's Minor League Monthly as well. Patrick will join him during the season. But I-, I just thought he did great today. I do. And, you know, if you want to look at the Major League roster, starting tomorrow, we have for the next 45 days, starting tomorrow, every day, a look at all 40 of the current men who are on the 40-men roster, a handful of top prospects, Spoiler alert, it's Lindgren, Judge, <laughs> you know, Ref Snyder, and like the, the top, and Severino, and one more who I won't name because he's TBD. Um, but we'll just have a capsule profile of where they've been, what you can expect out of them, kind of in terms of not necessarily we're going to say he's going to hit 300 with 30 home runs, but like production wise, where they might hit. So you can look at that for the major league team. I mean, camp starts tomorrow. If you're not excited right now about Yankees baseball, you're not a Yankees fan. Pretty much. Be- because. It starts tomorrow, and it's back, and the offseason is over, and the pitchers and catchers report, and we'll have Joe Girardi's press conference on Yes. You're hosting that, are, are you not? Uh, yeah, you'll see me for about 40 total seconds. <laughs> the clean-shaven Chris Sheeran. Yeah. Are you doing Nets tomorrow night, too? He's back. Yes, I am. Ah, oh, the double duty. Look at that. 10 o'clock Nets against the Lakers. So, Three I mean, if, if you're not excited... I... I'm looking forward to it. I mean, we'll we'll be in Tampa. The dot com team will be in Tampa seventh uh, through the fourteenth of March. I, I can guarantee you, it's going to be another roller coaster ride. I mean, it's going to be you know, there's going to be valleys. But see, this is what I say every baseball season. I'm a broken record w- with baseball season. You can't take a three game series sweep in April and think the season yep. is over. But that's the way fans in this area react. 
This team is going to have its bumps along the road, especially when it comes to injuries. Look, we get it. We we don't know what CC Sabathia is going to be. He could throw one pitch and his knee could his kneecap could fall off and you know yeah. sprain Mark Teixeira's wrist after it hits it. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with this team? Yep. But one thing's for sure, and I know this, and I'll say this. I'll say it before. I'll say it again. If they could stay healthy and Tanaka's UCL does not tear and is healthy, and he threw 21 pitches uh, earlier today. Yep, through a 30-minute bullpen session, the uh, 30-minute long toss the other day. Through free and easy, whatever that means. I'm just telling you. You say free and clear? (laughs) Ding. From the eyes of the people down there watching him, he threw free and easy. Now, a bullpen session and getting back on the mound in a major league game. Two complete damn things, but. Or a spring training game, two majorly different things. We talking about practice? Yeah, exactly, Alan. So who knows what we're going to see? But I know this. If they stay healthy, the Yankees will be back in the playoffs. You know, it's fun to look at things, too. Like, you can look at – you can't look – like you said, you can't take a three-game series in April and say, well, this is going to set the tone for the season because it's – things happen. But you can always look back and say, the Yankees finished, what, three games out of a playoff spot, four games out of a playoff spot? Mm-hmm. You were two and four against the Astros last year. Like, you can look at things like that and you say, can. you know what? You should have won those you games. Can. And then when you look back, it's like, okay, the season opening series, they beat CC Sabathia – they beat Ivan Nova, or not Ivan Nova, um, Kuroda, mm-hmm. and then they got a you know they won the third game. Well, they didn't see Tanaka; he made his debut in Toronto. They didn't see Pineda, so I think Nova won, was the one winner in that series. Look what, look how that turned out. And Tanaka and Pineda turned out to be the the two best starters. They turned out to be had. the two best starters. And Nova, Kuro- you got to throw Kuroda a bone too. But Nova missed made what three or four more starts. And was done. Sabathia made seven more and was done. And the two guys they didn't face turned out to be the two best starters on the team. Mm-hmm. Just the way the cookie crumbles. Right. You love it when you get those ace-ace matchups. But sometimes those games between the Chris Capuanos and name your number five starter on another team in the leagues, you know, uh, Rick Porcello for the Tigers last year. I mean, you know, sometimes those games turn out to be the ones where it's like, you know what, that's the opportunity because – you know, just like you saw in the World Series, Cliff Lee is going to beat CC Sabathia sometimes. But CC mm-hmm. Sabathia is going to beat Cliff Lee sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's the way it works out. It's how how well you pitch, how well AJ Burnett pitches against Pedro. You know, that and sets the tone. Madison Bumgarner is just going to beat everybody. Apparently, he is. He's a beast. <laughs> so they're going to stink this year and, and probably win the World Series. I'm just going to go on the record and the call them to win the World Series in 2016 because why not? That's their mo. Win a World Series, nothing. Win a World Series, nothing. Win a World Series, so we'll go with nothing and then win a World Series. Okay, so 2016. Yeah, why not? Giants are the— I'll call them as—the Cubs are going to win the World Series this year. They're going to beat the Miami Marlins somehow. Back to the Future told me. Please stop. That can't happen. You know that can't happen. No, I know. Unless— unless. uh, Although the Cubs, I could see— Unless Manfred comes out and puts the the Marlins in the American League. Swap them back with uh, the Astros? Maybe. Hmm. Then it could happen. Yeah. Could be, could be interesting. Ooh, conspiracy you know afoot. Honestly, the Cubs, like if they if they were in the World Series, though, it wouldn't be as shocking as people would have thought two years ago, which is kind of odd. No, and I got to tell you, they if, have three shortstops who are really good, and they they can only play one of them. If there's one team besides the Yankees that I'd love to see win a World Series, it's the, the Cubs. Chicago Cubs. I mean, their fans have waited long enough. I I will say this. Going to college in Philly, being a fan of the city of Philadelphia, and I was seeing at, the White Sox win it in two thousand five. Yeah, I was at Game Five of the World Series in two thousand eight. Okay, 
I saw that pandemonium. I went to the parade because mm-hmm. I, I wanted to see – I've lived in that city. They made the, – their teams made two appearances in the finals in the five years I lived in that city. And I think that was like a record for most, most appearances in the finals for any of their teams in a five-year span. Um, I would do absolutely do the same thing if the Cubs won the World Series. I would love to see the pandemonium in Chicago, especially on the north side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be ridiculous. Ridunculous, um, even. And, you know, maybe they bring Bartman back for the first pitch of the 2016 season. Oh, yeah. He's got to be wearing that Walkman now. You know, kind of like uh, the Red Sox brought Buckner back, and everybody gave him a standing ovation, and he cried. I, I just, you know, the guy's a scapegoat. Do you remember you remember Celebrity Deathmatch on MTV? You remember that show, yes. The Claymation Show? Yes. How did they, have they never done Moises Alou versus Steve Bartman? Would've Come been, on. Would have been a good one. Good fight, good night. Would have been a good one. That would have been interesting. <laughs> and I could see we're both looking at the clock to make sure we've hit an hour, and we just did. So I we're guess, just trying to make sure we don't ramble. I, I guess we could. I guess we could shut up now because we've hit an hour. No, I mean with with camp starting tomorrow. I mean it's here we go. This is it. Yeah. This is a we've got a we've got a good team here. We've got a good farm system here. We've got a lot of guys who can make an impact and. As Patrick said, it's all health. Now it's the countdown to opening day, and then it's six months. 45 days six, from tomorrow. Six months of people needing to take their medication because they live from pitch to pitch. <laughs> and that just means six more months of the awesome chicken fingers. And, and you know what their medication is? I, I'm convinced. Like, Cowbell? Guys like Michael K. Ding. Guys like Michael K., they don't know it, and they didn't go to college for it, but they're paid psychiatrists. They yeah. are they are literally psychiatrists. They are the voice. Picture this. Michael Michael is that he, he's on his nice little recliner and people driving in their cars or listening at home. Some people are physically on their couch because they could watch it on the S network. But picture people in their car, that's their couch. He's a psychiatrist. He yeah. gets you through not only the games, but through the season with his radio show on ESPN 98.7. And the S network as well. Yes. And I think you know, guys like Michael should be giving an should be given an honorary PhD. They should. Fordham University should give him an honorary psychology degree for doing PhD. what he does. And you know what? Let's let's be fair. Let, let's look across town to a team that hasn't been as successful over the last twenty years as the Yankees have. Even more so for maybe guys like Gary Cohen or guys like um, you know. I, I I apologize for not knowing their name off the top of my head, but. The Houston Astros broadcast team or the Rockies guys or, you know, teams that aren't necessarily at the top of the heap every year mm-hmm. or, you know, Don Orsillo and Jerry Remy and those guys the last couple of times Boston has been in the toilet. By you know, June, what? it's 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 a lot easier to to be happy when the team's winning and right. when they when they ain't not so much. And by June, mid-July, these broadcast teams are usually like, all right, I guess we'll put our feet up. I mean, they still do their job. Don't get me wrong, but they know. I mean, the writing's on the wall and for some of them. The writing's on the wall before the season even freaking starts. And that's got to be brutal. Yep. Um, so we'll see. Joe Madden's in Chicago. Good things could happen. This is going to be one heck of a baseball season. I'll be glad to be here every Thursday to talk about it with you for yeah, now. Let's absolutely. put it that way. Absolutely. For Lou DePietro, I'm Chris Sheeran. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs>